So sometimes, you know, this isn't about being manipulative. This is about being respectful. And also, you know, it's about, you know, doing our work with excellence. It's a people, people business. From Virtuous, I'm Noah Barnett, and this is the Responsive Fundraising Podcast, a show where we talk with fundraising leaders and thinkers to uncover how today's top nonprofits craft remarkable donor experiences and build lasting relationships at scale. On today's episode, I'm joined by Martin Liefeld. He's an author, consultant, coach, and public speaker. And during his 24 years of professional fundraising, Martin and his teams raised a staggering 500 million dollars to further the philanthropic efforts of the organizations he served. Martin is filled with insights, has lots of experience, and joins us to talk about what makes a tremendous fundraiser. What are those characteristics that make certain people really good at fundraising? And how do you cultivate that in your fundraising team? He also shares his GCC methodology and how you can use it to increase relationships with your donors, and ultimately raise more money for your cause. Martin's a wealth of knowledge, so let's dive in. Martin, you're an experienced fundraiser who's raised millions for organizations over the years. But I wanted to kind of take a step back and really hear from you what nudged you down the path to become a professional fundraiser. Well, I guess, you know, what nudged me down the path was uh, I was working at a small liberal arts university, kind of focused on developing programming for the external programming for the university. And uh, a dear friend of mine, uh, Matt Senecal is his name, he's still involved in our work, uh, was director of development, the only one at that college. And um, so we would talk shop all the time because our families would get together regularly. And, I, you know, I was very interested in what he was about. And because of the kind of programming work I was focused upon uh, there, I had occasion to uh, actually do a few major gift solicitations and build a few relationships and also do some larger appeals, you might say. So that set the stage for uh, my making a change in my career and seeing an opportunity that actually brought me from the St. Paul, Minneapolis area, where I was living at that time, to transition to the St. Louis area. So uh, the last 25 years, which has been focused on fundraising, has all been here in the St. Louis uh, region. Hmm. What I also would have to say is, you know, my 40 plus years of of, uh, service has all uh, been, you know, in the nonprofit side of things. So I, you know, I'm a very mission-oriented person, and I found this um, this this world of advancement of fundraising to be a place where I could take kind of my personal mission and match it with, um, you know, the challenges and, and interesting uh, dimensions of this work, uh, and has fit really well for me, Noah. Indeed. And prior to our call, you talked about how the role we play, you know, whether it's virtuous or your role as a consultant or the fundraisers listening to this, we're all in the business of really growing generosity or expanding that imagination um, of the supporter and what they can be a part of. But the challenge is is that the world we fundraise in is, is quite complex. And so I wanted to get your take 
and really from your experience of what you see as the most pressing challenges fundraising leaders are navigating today? Well, <laughs> to put it simply, it's noise. Uh, it, it's there's so much noise in front of people that you know you think about the power of social media and how that has come on, and then you think about within that the incredible sophistication of marketing and, and the personalization that's going on, and the opportunities through the the tools we have to be con- constantly preoccupied and being communicated with from friend and foe alike. There's just so much noise so that, you know, my generation of fundraisers, and I think we're still very much trying to catch up as, as a, um, as a uh, or, you know, nonprofit community uh, altogether, we're, we're woefully behind. Um, I think we're a little bit shocked by what's happening. Uh, we're shocked by the fact that there's this, um, you know, kind of erosion of donors in our country. Mm-hmm. I think we're in one way we're shocked because, uh, there, you know, there, there's now, I think approaching 1.7 million, um, nonprofits, uh, which are competing with us in one sense. Uh, you know, these things make it difficult. The other thing, another dimension of this, of course, this, this gets to what's, uh, where I spent most of my 25 years, and, and, you know, fundraising leadership is building relationships uh, have to be changed and are evolved because people are evolving. Their behaviors are changing and they're looking for something a little bit different than what they did years ago. Uh, I think for certainly donors with um, greater resources, uh, they're more picky than they were a generation ago. They want results. They, they expect a certain standard of communication. And again, this is because they're getting it all around them from all other kinds of um, uh, entities and organizations for, on the for-profit side. And, and they're, they're looking for more. Their expectations are higher. And it's really hard, I think, for us as organizations to, to match that. Yeah, and I think you nailed what we talk a lot about is that there's kind of this collision of, you know, what you you described as dimensions kind of colliding all right now. And it's the changing donor behaviors. It's the fact that the the competition just amongst nonprofits in various verticals and causes is increasing because friction has gone down to start and begin to share your message and gather a community. But then in addition to that, there's the crisis where the number of fundraisers leaving the profession is shocking and problematic. And so the collision of these three things is, is what we call creating a generosity crisis. Mm-hmm. And we've kind of talked a lot about this on this podcast, but I, I'm curious what you would recommend fundraising leaders, like the roles you played, what should they do about it? Well, I, I think, uh, you know, there's a number of ways to talk about this. Um, one dimension, and you touched upon it, is we have a crisis in the profession, and that we're 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 deeply struggling to retain uh, fundraisers. And um, I did a video a few years ago called "Staying Put," and the whole idea was: on the one hand, you we have to recognize certainly people who are younger in the field, not just age-wise, but career-wise, uh, in order to expand and grow and develop 
they have to leave their organizations because the nonprofit, so many of our nonprofits are, are small organizations and they don't have the, the bandwidth for someone to really grow and develop and, and expand as they acquire experience. And so they go elsewhere. Uh, I think uh, people, you know, and, and certainly uh, younger fundraisers, again, uh, not referring to age, but uh, time in the, in the field, uh, they jump onto uh, nonprofits that they're passionate about, go to work for them and under, underestimate uh, how complex it is to navigate those, those organizations. And they get discouraged. Uh, oftentimes, there's very little understanding. Uh, about what fundraising is really all about, which is, of course, relationships. And uh, so they move on. But I think, you know, uh, again, on this point, at some point you need to, as a fundraiser, find a place where you can stay put and really develop your your skills. Because I think if you're moving every 18 months, two years or so, ultimately what you're doing is repeating your experience. Mm-hmm. And you don't get to grow and develop and, and, and you don't get to spend the time with donors that really make uh, the whole thing the most gratifying from my point of view. Oh, so, so, so much. I think that, yeah. That's a, <laughs> yeah, that's a big piece of it. The other thing I'd say is, and I, I know your, your company is a great, uh, has a great focus in that let's, let's bring the bear uh, marketing automation in order to give donors and prospective donors truly personalized um, uh, outreach from an organization. And, you know, I, and that, you know, that wisdom that you all are now putting to work in the field of technology has come from, you know, the understanding of human interaction and certainly in our work of fundraising, understanding how people tick. Uh, I, I used to say to my folks, look, at to build a relationship quickly, I want you to spend 80% of your time listening and 20% of your time uh, speaking. And uh, at, certainly at the beginning of the relationship. And it was amazing that when when the folks actually went out and did that, how quickly those relationships could progress. And I, you know, I, I, I've re- reflected about well, what's that about? I, and I think it's about, about going back to this idea of noise, that there's so much noise, no one gets listened to really. And uh, I found that, you know, and again, dealing sometimes with these extraordinary people of extraordinary success, uh, they don't have the opportunity either to just be listened to and to be uh, listened to attentively, respectfully. And that is just very, very powerful. So I don't know how we can translate that to te- technological support for our work. Uh, that's your job, Noah. <laughs> but I think this idea of putting people first uh, getting to know them by asking open-ended questions, taking what they say seriously, making note of it so that next time you engage with that person, you can refer back to, you know, the marriage of their daughter or uh, the uncle that they were so concerned about who is uh, going through a major surgery or what, you know, uh, uh, 
you know, the trouble with uh, they're having with a pet, uh, mm. that you can refer back to that, which demonstrates, again, this, this listening and putting them first. I think there's a terrific hunger for people. Uh, certainly, you know, in, in the United States, and when you think wi- more widely Western culture, to be heard. And so if we, as uh, in the nonprofit world, want to reposition ourselves, let's start at the very beginning, which is human communication. People want to be heard. And in one way, you know, it gives us a competitive advantage over over all, all the uh, uh marketing uh the marketing world the 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 for-profit world because we're not trying to sell something when we take on this point of view we're trying to listen and appreciate and respect and grow to understand somebody it's a very different it's a very different approach now that leads that can lead to uh generosity and oftentimes uh surprising generosity remarkable generosity but we have to begin not by thinking of someone as a checkbook, but thinking about them. They're this very unique human human being. I'd like to get to know them. And maybe there's a way we can collaborate together to make this world, to make the lives of others better. And you said so many great things there, but I think I wanted to highlight two because we talked about these three challenges and the collision and kind of the result of that, which is like a generosity crisis. But one thing you said is that we need to think about fundraising less as a transaction and more in a transformational way. Mm-hmm. And that requires fundraisers and leaderships to spend more time, whether that's in their actual role or in the relational development with donors. But the second thing you said, which I think is interesting because you started saying the most challenging thing is noise. Mm-hmm. And ironically, the recommendation that I heard and is the similar to what we suggest at Virtuous is not to add to the noise, but how you circumvent it is by actually listening. That's right. Because listening allows you to be more intentional with what you put out there, which almost doesn't push through the noise, which I think so much thought leadership right now is dedicated to. Like, how do you push through the noise? How do you stand out? And I've personally used those phrases before. And I think there's another approach where you completely circumvent it. And I think listening is actually the primary way that you can accomplish that. That's right. And, and I, I think that is so true, uh, Noah. I, I think that, and I wrote a book that introduced some of this called Five Minutes for Fundraising. But I think there's this whole we have to, we as fun as the fundraising community has to understand our the philosophy under which we engage with others to uh, advance the mission of our organizations. Transactions don't work anymore, uh, and that should never have ever been the focus anyway. It should have been on. How can we help people become greater people? And, you know, donor-centric is the handle for this. But what we're really about in fundraising is helping other people uh, present themselves to the world in terms of their purpose and passions. And when we can help facilitate that, and I like this phrase, facilitator of philanthropy, when we can help by representing our organizations and engaging with others, Hoping to, I 
to align, you might say, our organization's values, our mission, uh, those those and what we serve and hope to address by our missions. When we can help a donor understand, a prospective donor, that what they care about aligns well with what we represent, magic happens. They get excited about what we're doing because they know we're trying to bring to them something that matches uh, what they're passionate about. And how do we know that they're passionate about that? Because we've listened, because we've taken the time. And so what happens in this process, and this is the most gratifying part of the business from my point of view over my 25 years, is we get to help donors become greater people. Hmm. I, I like to say, you know, uh, to use spiritual terms, their souls become enabled by making gifts of greater significance, gifts that flow from their purpose and passion. And to the benefit of the organizations, oftentimes, if we can help facilitate that kind of alignment, the gift that they make will be, in terms of in financial terms, more significant. Why? Because it's, it's coming out of what matters most to, to them as people. So we have got to rethink this thing or review, I might say, is maybe a better way. It's, it's, we need to regularly review. Are we focusing on the right things when we think about our donors? Are we focusing upon them as people? Are we focusing up, upon them as a checkbook? Uh-uh, that ain't gonna fly. We have to focus upon them as people with their unique interests and ask ourselves as we get to know them, wow, is there a match here? Now, part of the problem with us in our industry today is uh, we're so metrics oriented. And not that they're in opposite of the spectrum, but relationship building doesn't always align well with metrics. You know, the, the larger, more sophisticated shops, small S unsophisticated, by the way, you know, they, they'll metrics you to death as a fundraiser. And uh, what that can do, in effect, is truncate the, uh, the outcomes because we're so focused. I got to get so many proposals out the door. I got to close so many gifts. Um, my, you know, I got to raise so many dollars and I got to do it all by December 31st, all by June 30th, rather than working as a team and thinking through, well, what's it going to take with build, working with this donor over time, taking them through, you know, that development of donor cycle, that fundraising cycle, you know, how much time is that really going to take? Well, let's allow for the time so that we do it well. We keep the donor first and foremost. It doesn't mean we don't represent our organizations with passion. With, with, with clarity, with, you know, uh, invitation. But we do that from a different kind of base. Then we got to get it done. We got to get it done date specific. Now, that creates a tension within an organization, right, Noah? Because mm -hmm. on the one hand, God, we got to raise money. We got to set goals. Otherwise, we'll raise no money. Yet at the same time, you've got human beings of, of whom have the resources that each only moves so fast mm. and each moves forward based on the circumstances in which they find themselves. And we can only properly get, gain insight into that by spending time with them in order to understand, you know, more of the intricate 
complex side of their lives so that we can move the relationship forward, certainly uh, in one way as quickly as we can, but as respectfully as we can too. Yeah, and unfortunately I've been a perpetrator of that metrics-based management of development professionals. Sure. And have seen both sides of it, you know, Mm -hmm. because I do think there is a need for accountability, which should empower fundraisers to actually do what they need to do to build strong, lasting relationships, but in a longer time frame. And I know I was short-term thinking, uh, I was thinking in short term, whereas I think now having accountability, but thinking more long term mm-hmm. is probably a more practical approach. And it's mm-hmm. more of metrics informed rather than metrics driven. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know like you you kind of call for this like revisiting or revising approach. And, 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 and in your work, you talk about kind of the GGC method, mm-hmm. which you've shown help fundraisers cultivate deeper relationships with their donors over time. Could you kind of give us the synopsis version and walk us through this approach just so we can leave listeners with kind of some tangible things that they can think through as sure. they, you know, step into their office or meet with their teams or meet with the sure. donors that they're meeting sure. with. Yeah. Well, I like to use that handle two G's in the C because it helps me think as part of, well, first of all, we need to prepare before we walk into somebody's office or home or meet them, you know, at a restaurant or wherever we need to prepare. And uh, this idea of I can do it on the fly. Cause I, you know, I, I know them is absolutely disrespectful. We need to spend the time in advance to prepare wisely. Uh, if someone is interested, they can go to martinleifel.com and uh, go to free downloads. And I have the call preparation worksheet that I use for years and uh, it's a template that someone can uh, adapt, uh, adopt and adapt uh, <laughs> in order to think through what one is about to go and engage in. So uh, the two G's and the C, though, Noah, refers to establishing rapport. So when we go out in the call, and I'm thinking of a particular um, uh, woman who, who, is a, uh, who still is, but was a, was a banker at the time I was engaging with her. And uh, she wanted to see me, and she had 15 minutes. Well, and she came into the meeting, obviously distracted, and she was squeezing me in. And uh, that's not unusual for us, uh, I think, as people certainly in the major gift work and working with um, people in corporate America. Um, their, their ability to, to spend time with us can be very challenged. So I would use two G's in the C, as I say, gifts, gratitude, compliments. Hmm. And I would come in and I would begin with gratitude. And I would talk about, uh, uh, I, I would talk about what they've done for the organization recently and not just money, but in terms of, you know, involvement, volunteering, counsel that they would have provided. I oftentimes would bring a gift. Now, a gift could be uh, anything from a baseball cap to an article to a book to greetings from our chancellor. To, but, you know, something that I'm bringing that uh, represents to them, hopefully, uh, uh, something of significance, something that they appreciate. And, uh, and then, you know, certainly uh, compliments uh, and, you know, never blow smoke at them. 
but uh, offering compliments. It, you know, uh, Noah, is that a new piece of artwork there on, on your shelf? That's amazing. Tell me about that. Or uh, Noah, I, I've never noticed that that photograph of your expanded family. What was the occasion that brought that picture? And uh, uh, what a good-looking family you have, Noah. And these are ways to, to help the donor make the transition. If you have a relationship with them, of course, in, the, in this phase of establishing rapport, you ask, you know, how's, how's, how's your husband John doing? How's your kids? How's, how's Mike in Chicago? How's Sarah in L.A.? Are they doing well? And you, that, what does that do? That reminds them that you care about them. You're not just there for money. You care about them. And you care about those they care for. So you put that together, questions if you know them, certainly uh, follow-ups, you might say, and then gratitude, gifts, and compliments. In the first three, four, five minutes, that goes a long ways. Because what that does is it, helps them shift from what they're preoccupied with to focusing on you and what, why you're there. And it reminds them of the nature of, of who you are representing your organization, that you're about them, about them first. And it also reminds them of the level of depth of relationship that you have. Certainly somebody you meet with, with, with some regularity, whatever regularity means for the donor. Um, you know, all of that helps them shift quickly to, ah, this is Martin. This is Martin, who I'm glad, I'm glad I, I, I decided I would see today. I like Martin. I like what he represents. I like how he, I like my experience of the time I spend with Martin. And that favorably disposes us then to, you know, uh, disposes them, disposes this encounter to having conversation that could, you know, include philanthropy. Uh, you know, in its various demands. What I love about that approach is just the focus on responding to what you've listened for. Because to accomplish the two G's and the C's, you really have to execute the listening stage of what we call responsive fundraising, but as the most important phase is the first listen and then connect in a personal way, right. and then make suggestions and circle back. Right. And this two G's and a C's is a great practical way to connect what you listen to right. and how you can engage with the supporter and build that deeper relationship. And I think that's a great reminder, if nothing else, for listeners to walk away with. How do you incorporate that, not only in meetings, like one-on-one -on -one with the donor, but infuse into your staff even and then how you engage as a team but also even how you write emails how you make phone calls how you even present um, information to new donors at events and through any means that you connect with them so well, thanks I for think, the reminder martin yeah i think you're right there's universal qualities to all of this right let me mention one other thing though when i uh, that occurs to me when i think about uh as you enter into a, a visit let's say it's a first time visit and uh, you, and perhaps you're bringing others with you from your organization, uh, there isn't a relationship. There hasn't been giving. There, the, the person may know, you know relatively little about your organization. Well, then what you do? What do you do? Uh, 
Well, what I would do and what I would recommend is, again, if you've done your homework in advance, you know this person and the, how they're involved in the community. Hopefully you have some insight as perhaps if they're philanthropic by in, in, in action, where they've been generous. Um, maybe they're volunteering time in the community and providing leadership for one organization as a board member, uh, you know, in, in some kind of fiduciary role. And so we can go in and we can say, Noah, we're thrilled that you're taking time to meet with us today. And we just want to tell you, we, have, we were talking about it on the way over for this visit, how impressed we are by what you're doing for this community, by the growth and development of this organization that, that you created from scratch, we understand. And also, the fact that you chair the board of XYZ School and the growth and development of that school as you've chaired that, uh, that board has been just plain remarkable. And we appreciate that so much. Thank you for being the person you are and providing the kind of leadership you are that affects us all, to be quite honest. Well, you say something like that, Noah, and you think you have their attention? Absolutely. So sometimes, you know, this isn't about being manipulative. This is about being respectful. And also, you know, it's about, you know, doing our work with excellence. It's a people, people business. It's people to people. And, uh, you know, you put others first, whether you know them or not, by preparing well, by engaging with respect, with gratitude, as, as I've said with my little handle, and amazing things can happen. And, I've, and what I've found is this whole approach, and I'm talking about some of the busiest people on the planet, they, they always would agree to see me again. Now, you know, it might take weeks sometimes because of the nature of, the, uh, of how these people live, uh, the nature of their work, the fact that they travel and so on and so forth. But they would take the meeting because they know they're going to have a, a good visit with Martin and walk away feeling good. Even if they said no to me, they'd walk away feeling good because I could handle a no in a gracious way. Those are great reminders, and I think a great way to end our conversation. So, Martin, I appreciate your time and your willingness to share your expertise. Well, thanks, Noah. It's an honor and privilege to spend this time with you and with your audience. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Responsive Fundraising Podcast by Virtuous. Each episode we've designed to really give you the insights into the philosophy, process, and playbook of leading nonprofits so that you can grow giving and build deeper relationships with the people who matter most, your donors. And if you want to dig further into responsive fundraising, we've actually put together an exclusive content pack just for listeners of this podcast. If you go to virtuouscrm.com slash podcast, that's virtuouscrm.com slash podcast, you can download a content kit that includes the Responsive Fundraising Blueprint, which outlines all of the strategies that are involved in implementing responsive fundraising. You'll also get the Responsive Fundraising Playbook, which includes 20 plus plays, which are basically strategies that you can implement today at your nonprofit to become more responsive and ultimately raise retention and increase giving. 
We'll also throw in a bunch of other resources and content that is gonna be helpful for you as you think about how you're applying responsive fundraising at your nonprofit. And it's completely free. You can grab that at virtuouscrm.com slash podcast. Thank you.